Welcome to the Australian Business Podcast. I'm Daniel Golubev. I'm Jordan Kittis. I'm Owen Rask. We're here to help you make more profit, find work-life balance, save time, capital, and grow your business. Every week, we drop the best tax tips, marketing hacks, growth strategies, and methods to help you grow. If you haven't already, take the free Rask Business Course. Book a chat with me or Daniel at Grayspace. Or get in contact with us about business coaching. We also love hearing from you. So send us your questions and feedback using the resources found in the podcast player for each episode. Let's get into it. Michael, thanks for joining me on the show. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Coming all the way into the office and recording in the studio, which is great fun. We've previously had some of the guys from IP Australia on the program. We talked about uh, all of the different types of IP protection or intellectual property protection that people might need in Australia. We mentioned a little bit about how maybe as a business community, perhaps we're not doing ourselves any favors. And I think you're going to lend a lot of weight to that today with some of the uh, insights that you have. Can you maybe just to set the scene, like a lot of our listeners would know this, but I went down the the route of looking at trademarks and all this because we are a brand heavy business. So for us, it makes a lot of sense to at least consider this, right? And there's so many people that listen to this, run their businesses, they're thinking about it too. They don't know the very basics. So can you maybe just provide a quick overview of the different things that people should be thinking about as it relates to IP. Okay, sure. Um, so IP Australia mm-hmm. is a federal government body that administers intellectual property rights. So what is intellectual property mm-hmm. to start? Intellectual property refers to creations of the mind. And in practice, that covers a range of different types of intangible assets, non-physical assets. Could be data, software, could be brands, designs, could be technological innovations, even organizational processes. And you know, over time, across many advanced economies, it, these types of intangible assets mm. account for a greater, greater share of enterprise value. And we saw during COVID that the disparity between organizations that are well managed to capture value mm. from intangible assets, that, that gap is widening uh, between those that aren't, aren't well-equipped to to capture that value. Hmm. One of the challenges that businesses face is that once created, these types of assets are often easily imitated or replicated um, by others in in their industry uh, or or in adjacent industry, Hmm. um, and that erodes the competitive advantage that those uh, assets uh, bring. So what intellectual property rights bring is a legal option to exclude others from exploiting your ideas mm. in the marketplace. Um, it also provides, once once intellectual property is protected, then it becomes a transferable asset. So you can license or trade that to others um, mm. and, and, and earn uh, capture returns from inventive effort in that way. And it's such a important thing. I, I love how you focus on like the value as well. I think a lot of people take that for granted where they think, well, I can just create this thing and go and sell it. But then I mean, many people are familiar with things like scams and imitators and those types of things these days, but actually having it set in stone, so to speak, that you are the holder of this IP, when we'll talk about enforcement in a little bit, allows a business to say, well, that's the line in the sand over there and you can see it pretty clearly. Mm. Obviously, it's up to them if they pursue that. Some people will be familiar with things like trademarks, copyright, which is a little bit different. And those types of things and designs and and what have you, what are the most common types of intellectual property rights or intellectual property kind of applications, say, however you want to frame that, Mm. in Australia? So there are different types of 
intellectual property rights. They protect uh, different types of assets. And so they're used by different uh, types of businesses and industries. Mm -hmm. So to give you an example, patents are a, a intellectual property right that protects new technical inventions that are a sort of step beyond the normal progress of science and technology. So these rights are, are typically, or they're used most intensively in high-tech manufacturing industries, of course. but also research services and, and in information media and telecommunications. By contrast, you have rights like trademarks, which protect signs of commercial origin that might be logos, product names, could be even sound sense or colors hmm. that, that identify a brand in the market. And these are used most, much more diffusely throughout the economy. Mm. They're, they're, they're used prevalently in, in consumer markets mm. as well as, uh, and there's been a huge upsurge of their use in services. Now, in Australia, we, we have a rich tradition of innovation of course, yeah. um, with responsible Australian companies and researchers are responsible for, for world-leading innovations in areas of medical research and life sciences in some areas of information media communications, for example, mm -hmm. Wi-Fi technology was invented by researchers at the CSIRO. They still mm -hmm. hold the patents to those technologies. And, and as well as in some of the tools that are used to, by which to, to expand the possibilities for how people create and invent. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so a recent example of that is the Australian unicorn Canva, yeah. which is using patents to protect its work suite of digital design tools. Yeah, um, but what we find is that what we found looking at the data is that the use of patents in Australia is quite low. Only around 0.2% of Australian SMEs hold a patent, and that's lower than in other jurisdictions like the European Union. Around 4% of Australian SMEs hold a trademark. Again, that's quite low. But there has been a significant strong growth over the last couple of decades um, with, with SMEs increasingly using intellectual property rights and increasingly be responsible for innovation in the economy. I guess one of the things is, it's really interesting, like, so 4%, uh, and you say, like, they're, like, covering things like logos, um, phrases. Like, I, I did the usual thing when I used the TM Checker tool last time, had the team on, which is a free tool. Anyone can use it, by the way, if you're listening. It's super easy to use. I did that, and I saw, like, a heap of our competitors, predominantly the competitors that had done a good job of running their business, I would say, they had already gone down this journey and you could see it when you did the trademark checker. Whereas my competitors or our competitors who hadn't done that, it was pretty evident that they, that, that must just not even know it exists. And so like, it was a really interesting thing that you said before about business value and the dispersion that was created perhaps like or accelerated during COVID. I can see that. I can see how businesses like fall by the wayside and those that are prepared and those that aren't. Mm -hmm. There's just so many things, right? When you go through the journey of starting a business, there's so many different things. You've got ABNs, you've got business names, you've got the web address, seeing if that's available. Then you've got product names, all these different things that people are concerned about. So IP is kind of another thing that's on that list, but it's probably made, I think it's fair to say, it's probably easier now than ever to get an awareness of it. Absolutely. And it's easy, you know, it's easier than ever to, to educate yourself about the intellectual property protections that are available, mm. um, but also the ways in which IP can be used effectively to drive business value, to navigate local market conditions. Mm. Uh, as we think of IP as a set of tools for 
for that have a range of different uses and and you know and it's about providing access to those tools you mentioned to some something to me off air before which is which is probably really relevant to a lot of folks last time i read the guys on the show we talked about like we used examples of like tim tams and all these different things on the show but uh, one thing we didn't really touch on is the costs or like the economics involved whether that's the cost associated with getting it done cost associated with enforcement um, can you talk maybe about that maybe even if there's anything that you have around like the the, the drivers of value and how you think about that. Yeah, sure. So, you know, at the basis level, there are fees for applying for intellectual property rights, and, and they're quite low. They're probably lower mm. um, than your listeners expect. Yeah. Yeah. Um, in the case of a patent, it can be five to $8,000. In the case of trademarks or designs, it can be one to $5,000. Mm. But, you know, and you can file for these rights independently as a, as a self-filer, and, and we are trying to make tools such as a team checker tool yeah. available to help people do that. But, but you have a lawyer, you have an accountant, mm. and, and in, in many situations, it's going to be beneficial for you to have IP, professional IP advice from, from a, a trademark or, or patent attorney. Yeah. Um, so there are costs in that. Often you can get an initial consult for free, but, but there are costs in that. It's also the case that many businesses prefer to first do an internal audit of the intellectual assets that they own, those mm. that are how they are, you know, provide a source of competitive advantage, as well as assets that they may not own but they rely on to compete in the market. They may be in other firms that that they need to, that, they, that that a business will need to strike um, some kind of collaborative arrangement with. So, doing a proper assessment of what intellectual property is 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 out there. What, what you own uh, uh, can be an important first step, and there are specialists that can help you do that. I remember when I filed for trademarks, I was surprised the guys at IP Australia just gave me a call and they talked me through it. And it was really helpful because, was, you know, you interact with different organizations in my industry, being finance, you interact with ASIC or ASIC, some people know it, it's ASIC, or even like the ATO or these types of organizations. It's very, very hard to speak to someone. I'm sure you can call people and whatever. It's very, very hard. But it was very candid. I think that was refreshing. It's like how candid it was. It was like, no, well, we've rejected it for this reason and this reason, this reason. And if you want to challenge it, you can go down this path and you have this amount of time. Yeah. Like it was very straightforward. It wasn't like, we're not going to put four minutes of like disclaimers in front of you. No, this is the answer. And I thought that was really refreshing for a change. Like yeah. when you deal with something like a government organization, you don't always think about that. You always think it's like layers and layers of bureaucracy, but it's just like straight to the point. You know, you've filed it this way, but you need to do this proof and this is how you do it. Earlier on, you mentioned enforcement. Do you have any information or data around like maybe the costs involved of like pursuing someone? So say, say another business encroached on your IP and you know it for sure or something like this, but you need to go through the process of court or litigation and whatever. I guess, do you have any... Can you give us a sense of maybe how many businesses have to go through that or even like the costs involved in that? Um, so what I can do is, is tell you about the different processes that you can pursue cool. if, to enforce your, your IP rights mm -hmm. because there's a sort of range of options. You know, First of all, there are costs associated with monitoring yeah. the market for infringement. And we've done research which suggests that for you know, businesses that are exporting overseas, having local business partners can be advantageous for monitoring infringement in those markets. So, how you monitor the market is 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 
has it's in itself a range of options. You may work with a third-party distributor in a foreign country who has power over retailers in that country that yeah. can put pressure on, on 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 an infringer and 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 get them to withdraw products from the market. You know, there course, are there yeah. are lots of sophisticated strategies for how you monitor. And, and exert pressure in the market. Then, of course, if uh, in, the case of, yeah. in the case of, of an infringement, where you detect an infringement, you may, you may seek legal advice. That will carry costs. You may, you may send a demand letter as a kind of, in the kind of first instance, a cease and desist letter. And, and beyond that, you may seek alternative dispute resolution, whether it be mediation, arbitration. And then, of course, there's the option of litigating it through the courts. Interesting. Yeah. See, I can't remember what was first, the chicken or the egg in this case, but I remember because we bought one of our podcasts, our Australian property podcast, which I later found out I couldn't trademark because it's very generic, which I get that. But I bought that and I only, and I was telling people that listen to the show, we only bought the name and like the, the IP around it. We didn't, when I say IP, I mean like nothing really like there was no like trademark associated with it but we bought basically rights to it because we wanted to create that and we wanted to do it ourselves but we would have been very very close to replicating what was already in the market so an easier option was to purchase it but that type of thing got me really thinking is like well what protections do i have in my business like if we're prepared to pay this money to buy this podcast channel what 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 protection do I have if we fork out the money for this thing? You know, and that was so important to me. So I guess there's always like a balance that needs to be struck here, right? You need to know what is available to you and what you can and can't do. And I don't think personally, I don't think unless you get proper legal advice, it's not or you use the TM checker yourself and you kind of you go for it and you provide proof in that. It's pretty hard because you feel like you're kind of in the dark a little bit of like what you can and can't do. And, I've got like maybe just a couple more questions for you. And one of them was kind of generic in nature, which is just like, how do you think about where this kind of sits in the the journey of becoming a business owner or an entrepreneur? Like, can you give us any sense of when people should be thinking about this or which industries they should be thinking about in particular as they approach creating a business, starting, selling products, all that sort of stuff? Yeah, sure. I mean, if we think about the business life cycle, IP rights have a particular function for startups and that, you know, for example, they have a role in attracting critical resources mm. in the startup phase. And, and there's research, international research, which suggests that for a startup, having a, a trademark or, or, or a patent is linked to a substantial increase in venture capital in, uh, estimates of a startup's value, estimated around 20% increase. Mm. Then, of course, there's the growth phase of the business, and there's research which suggests that, for example, obtaining, having a patent accepted for a valuable invention is linked to a 12% increase in revenue per worker. So there's, there's the kind of role of the IP right in, 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 in incentivizing the business to implement, commercialize the innovations mm -hmm. that it's developing and, 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 and the productivity gains that, that come from that. There's also, you know, as, as the business expands internationally, then, you know, then you're entering markets where you may be new and unfamiliar. Mm. So having, establishing a brand can be really important to overcoming that, that, that and overcoming that liability and establishing a, a sort of presence in, in local customers' minds. Having, um, so a trademark can be a kind of, a kind of ticket into competing mm. in international markets. Mm. I've, um, 
when you said that, it reminded me of something. I've been doing a bit of business coaching myself and like working with other business owners. And some of them sell products internationally. And a lot of them had no awareness, not just from like a branding perspective of, hey, I need a, I need a good brand. I need to maintain brand value. I need to, what does my brand say about the way I communicate to the world, about the way we hold ourselves as a business, about where we position ourselves in the market. But none of them had even, it hadn't crossed their mind that maybe they should have some sort of protection around this, even domestically, you know, that, and then you, as you said, this kind of is a layer on top of that, which I hadn't realized too, is it kind of does signal to people overseas or to consumers or competitors overseas, this actually looks like a serious business because here back in Australia, they've done this, this, and this. And like you said, it's kind of like signaling to them that maybe it's not just some sort of ragtag thing. It's an actual business that I need to be mindful of. Right. Okay, so we've got through the IP Australia emails that we've been going back and forth on, we've got a few resources that people can go to. We've got TM Checker, uh, the IP Australia website, but also Lauren and the team have shared with us uh, some PDFs, which are all available if you're listening to this, to get you started on this journey to figuring out what you need to do, where you need to go, etc. Michael, is there anything else that you would say or you'd want to leave with our listeners today? And this could be anything about IP. It could be anything, generally speaking. Like, what would you leave with us? I, th- I think the most important message is uh, is consider IP early before before while you're crafting your strategy, while you're determining how you're going to go to market. Are you going to compete or collaborate with existing market leaders? Mm. Because then you may need need strong protection to 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 trade ideas in the context of a collaboration. Mm. Um, are you going to you know Are you going to expand internationally, and, and which markets do you want to do you want to target? Because you want to ensure that you're protected in each of those markets. Mm. Um, how are you going to attract those critical startup resources? And and once you have strong protections, how are you going to exercise those rights? Are you going to be you know seeking to control who accesses your innovations? Are you competing in the product market? Are mm. you are you going to maintain strong protections, but be quite open in trying to influence the sort of standards around which the industry develops and, and encourage complementers, et cetera. It's, so intellectual property rights can be used in different ways in different contexts um, and, and, in, and for different competing in different ways. Mm. I think that's a really good point. Actually, that's something that I forgot to ask you just really quickly, is if a business out there is thinking, well, I've got you know, I'm entering into a joint venture. We get a lot of questions on this. My two businesses come together. They want to work on something together. How does a business or how, in your opinion, how can a business think about, well, how do I protect what I've got going on or how do I communicate with that business if they've got something, like they've got trademarks or they've got patents or they've got something? Do you have any kind of like general advice for us there on maybe what businesses can at least just think about from a high level? Uh, yeah. I mean, so there's, first of all, what we call the, in economics, the disclosure paradox, which is if I want to trade an idea with you, um, I'm going to have to disclose something about that idea mm. in order for you to determine its value. But once you've seen it, then your willingness to pay for it may drop to zero, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> and there's cases of this, uh, for example, uh, the guy that invented the intermittent windscreen wiper. Oh, yeah. He... Went, he was a private inventor, went to Chrysler, went to many, Ford, many of the big 
automotive company said, I've, you know, developed this. Do you want to, do you want to buy it? Um, And they said no. And then subsequently they implemented it in their models and it's become a kind of industry standard. And so he actually had patents on it, but it, and was able to enforce those rights over time and extract some of the returns from it. So even at the start of entering into a negotiation, you want to think about, am I protected? And then, of course, in the context of a collaboration, mm-hmm. you, there's questions around what IP am I bringing to it? What, am I, what, am I, what, am, what IP am I seeking to access through it? And, and how, how is control over jointly created assets going to be allocated between the parties? So all of these considerations are important in entering a collaboration. Yeah, of course. And I just, yeah, I mean, we've probably all heard, every business owner's probably heard the old NDA line, like non-disclosure agreements. But those are just, these are just little steps. I remember when I first communicated with lawyers, um, they were like, you don't even have on your email signature, like confidential or like different protections there. And they're like, and you send us this document, it doesn't even have like private and confidential or different like markings, like copyright, these sorts of things. Like, what are you doing? Like you, you need to think about these things like more seriously. So that's when I kind of, this was many years ago, went down this pathway of like, okay, everything that's got our brand on it needs to have some sort of legal jargon there to, to just help protect us just in case, in the case of this intermittent wipers folk person. I, I didn't realize that was the case, but um, glad to hear he extracted some value from the big, the big automotive companies. Well, Michael, this has been, this has been good. Thank you for taking some time to, to join us in studio today. It's always a pleasure to speak with people in person, meet people in person. And uh, once again, anyone listening to this, you can refer to the show notes in your podcast player there. There's heaps of information on how you can get started. I will draw your attention to TM Checker. If you're in any industry where you think you could do this, e-commerce, any type of outward facing brand, go and check it out. Michael, once again, thanks for joining me. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. I think this series is best served with my free business course on RASC education. My free course includes all of my notes, templates, employment guides, legal documents, marketing strategies, software recommendation, and ideas for starting and running a small business. Finally, if this podcast or the course helps you, I only ask that you please help me by sharing it with one friend, colleague, or family member who runs a business. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Australian Business Podcast. By now, you will know that the Australian Business Podcast is one of the most popular business podcasts in Australia because we just kind of keep it genuine, to be honest. We tell you what you need to know, how to focus on profit. We avoid the fluff that comes with these types of things, and we just tell you straight. If you want to join us at a deeper level, if you want to work directly with us, you can join the Inflection Accelerator Program. The Inflection Accelerator Program is our online course plus business owner only community and weekly group coaching and all the other stuff that you could imagine speaking and working directly with us and the community on things like marketing, sales scripts, automation, structuring, tax, you name it. Each and every week inside the Inflection community, we will be hosting you and other business owners through group coaching sessions with experts in their domain, as well as giving you templates and resources that you need to truly scale and excel in your business. The Accelerator Inflection community is typically only for people who have a business. However, if you're in the very late stages, I would also encourage you to consider it. 
you can book a free strategy call. It's a totally free call with Jordan, one of the co-hosts here on the podcast, and get involved with us. In that call, Jordan will take you through a few things about the program, but mostly it's about you telling him about your business to see if you and your business are the right fit for us because we want to keep it a really focused community. It's not a super expensive program. It will cost you a few thousand dollars and you can get involved with us for a long time and hopefully scale your business many times over. Daniel, who is our resident chartered accountant, did say to me that it is most likely tax deductible and you should pay for it through your business. So you can check with him on that one. But anyway, thanks for listening to this Australian Business Podcast episode. Don't forget to join the Accelerator program. The link is available in your podcast player. I'll see you in the next episode.